Alan, thank you for the songs that you have led us in this morning and the message behind each one of those is really summed up in the one that we just sang. In Christ alone, my hope is found. You realize we live in a world today where people are always searching for something, something they've lost, and when they find that something, they rejoice, don't they? When you find that treasure that you have been looking for for weeks, I mean, it means a lot. And maybe you let out a big scream or a big holler or something when you find it, but you're excited that when something is lost, you find it. I love the story that's told one day of William Randolph Hearst. He was looking through a book of famous artwork when a painting caught his eye. And he, he looked at his aides and he said, I want this painting for my collection. So he said, I want you all to go out and whatever you have to do to find it and to buy it, I want it. And I want to make sure that it gets in my collection. Well, after making some inquiries, they came back and they said that we're unable to find that particular work. Can't find it anywhere. And he said, if you value your jobs, you do whatever it takes to find that treasure, and you secure it for me immediately. And he said, and I don't want you to come back and tell me anything other than I've got it. Well, three and a half months later, the aides returned to Hearst. Did you find the treasure, he asked? Yes, he replied. After much searching and painstaking research, we found it. Well, did you purchase it? How much was it? They said, we didn't have to purchase it. He sits there for a minute and he thinks, he goes, you're going to have to explain that one to me. And, and they said, we found it in your warehouse. You've had it all along. You know, church, a lot of times, here's what happens to us in a spiritual sense. Spiritual truth is oftentimes hidden. And it's almost like when we discover it and when we read it and when we realize, wow, look at what Jesus is doing for me. Look at what he is offering me. It's almost like when we wake up and begin to realize that it's right here for the taking, we really don't know how to respond to that, do we? If you go back in the Greek, you find a word called thesaurus. It's the word that we get our word thesaurus, which refers to a treasury of words. When you search through scripture, you see a treasury of words. But Jesus, in, he knew that these are more than just words these are words that need to come off the page of the Holy Word and onto and into our heart. Because when we take these treasury of words and we place them right here into our heart and we begin to live those out, amazing things will take place in our life. And all of a sudden we begin to realize all this spiritual truth that we think has been hidden all along is really in the warehouse where it's been from the very beginning. It's there. It's ours for the taking. And so this morning, as you hear the reading of God's word, 
I want you to realize that when you have Christ, you have it all. When you receive Christ, you receive all the blessings, all the wisdom, all the knowledge that you and I will ever need for life. All we've got to do is take it in and use it the way that God intended for it to be used in the first place. He goes back to the song that we have sung this morning. I choose to be holy. I choose to be set apart and to be used for my master. My heart's one desire is to be holy, ready to do your will. You've heard me say this a lot from the pulpit, and I'm going to say it again. The best place to be in life is inside the will of God. Because when you are in the will of God, you will begin to discover what it is that God wants and God intends for your life to be. I want you to turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 is the beginning of a teaching of Jesus that's referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And beginning in chapter 1 of, of, of chap, verse 1 of chapter 5, when he saw the crowds, Jesus goes up on a mountainside and he sat down. And his disciples gather around him and then he begins to teach them by saying the following words. When you look in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, you see a lot of red letters. That ought to get your attention to realize this is Jesus speaking. And this is Jesus not just speaking words, but speaking life into us. Speaking life into those who say, I choose to deny myself to take up the cross, and I choose to follow after you. And so when you choose to follow after him, you are beginning to take on a whole new set of values, a whole new set of life. So in, in chapter 5, he begins to talk about salt and light and how within that, murder and adultery and divorce and oaths and an eye for an eye and love for enemies, he talks about all those important teachings and all those uh, implications that take place within each one of those and even goes and he says here's the role that you're going to play as you live that out in my kingdom and then he turns the page in chapter six he's talking about giving to the needy he's talking about prayer and fasting and then he comes to a part where we're going to focus on this morning where's your heart where's your treasure treasures in heaven so right now, instead of me reading the text to you, there comes a time where I think it's good for us just to sit back and hear the Word of God and just listen to it in its entirety. And so this morning, I want you to just watch the video in front of us, and I want you to listen to these words starting in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 19, going through chapter 7. Still. 
For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Judge not, that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how shalt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? And behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask him a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good gifts unto them that ask him? Therefore, all things whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns, or figs of thistles? A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone who heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. As you hear those words, 
and you start in Matthew chapter 6 and you hear those, those teachings, as it flows into chapter 7, you really can't begin to even put chapter 7 into practice until you realize I've got to start with first things first and it starts with where my heart is, with where my treasure is. And so in Matthew 6, Jesus deals with the issues of priorities for citizens of his kingdom. And so the Christian's priority can really be summed up by simply saying this, Jesus demands single-minded devotion to him. Now I want you to let that sink in for a minute because we say that teaching in a world where we are saturated by people doing what we call multitasking all the time. And so to think that you can just have one thing going on in your mind for just a moment is really hard for us to fathom, isn't it? But when you begin to realize the implications that has for us as Christians, if we're not focused single-mindedly on being devoted to God and his ways first, when all these other things start crowding in, do you begin to see what happens to your walk with the king? Your walk with the king begins to fade and begins to be distracted and it begins to be affected because you're focused on more than just being devoted to him. And so Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves Treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And so the question is, is there really a difference between narrow-minded and being single-minded? I love the writing of E. Stanley Jones. He says it like this. He says, if you don't make up your mind, then your unmade mind will unmake you. Here is the place where there must be no dallying. For any dallying will be the horse that will get on the inside and open the gates up to the enemy. God can do anything for the man who has made up his mind. And he goes on to say he can do little or nothing for the double-minded. And the question we have to ask ourselves when we look at a passage, passage like this where am I? Where are you? Are you dallying around with everything else? Or are you singly being devoted to God and to his will? You see, it comes down to this. When it comes to masters, there's a couple of things that Jesus makes clear. He says, number one, everyone has one. Okay, that's a fact. Also, another fact is this. No one has more than one. So you can't have a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of all of the rest of your life and think that that's going to go well for you. Jesus says that can't happen. You have to choose the right one. Because here's what happens. Verse 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and and money. 
or you cannot serve both God and you fill in the blank this morning and something else. You can't serve both God and something else. You see, the test is this. When you look at the treasure test that comes along, the word treasures refer not just to money or material wealth, but also to anything that we highly value or that we greatly enjoy or that we take delight or pleasure in. And there's a lot of those things that rob our attention for that, isn't there? But Jesus comes along and he says the treasure test that you have to take is simply this. Are you devoted and are you serving my ways? Or in your devotion and in your service, are you serving something else? Whatever that else might be. Maybe money, maybe time, maybe pleasure, maybe busyness, maybe you fill in the blank this morning. The heart test comes along And Jesus says it this way, where your treasure is, there's your heart. How are you doing this morning on the treasure test? How are you doing on the heart test? And then he even throws another test in here. Look at verse 22 and verse 23. The eye is the lamp of the body, and if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? A lot of times in Scripture we see that God uses the word I to represent the attitude of the mind. Because whatever our eyes are focused on, guess what? It focuses and it affects Our mind, and whatever's on our mind, affects what? The heart. So it goes from the eyes to our mind to our heart. And again, going back to the heart test, where your treasure is, there's your heart. So what do you do? See, this principle about treasure that Jesus discusses encourages us In the life that we live for him, we've got to gain a clear focus. You know, at first glance, this passage seems like it's just kind of stuck in there, like Jesus all of a sudden changes his mind about what he's talking about. But I'm of the opinion that Jesus chose these words so carefully, and he kind of brackets them between his words about money in these verses. And he says that our eyes are the lamp to our body the eyes to the lamp to the whole body that we live in and so they light the way if you will for our lives and so another way to say this is simply this what you see is what you get okay what you read what you're watching guess what it affects your mind And it affects your heart. What are you watching? What are you reading? Let me ask this scary question. Do you know what your kids are watching? Do you know what your kids are reading? 
And a lot of times, as parents, we act surprised by that, when in reality, whose job is it to make sure they're watching and reading things that are filling their heart and their lives with goodness? Folks, that is our responsibility. And so if you're just throwing your kids and your grandkids out there to just read and watch whatever they want to, hey, I love our kids, but they're still kids. And we were there one day. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to say things and do things we shouldn't do. That's why we have teaching and correction there to help us along the way. And I'm so grateful that Jesus gives us this example to help us realize, be careful with your eyes. Because what you see, it affects more than you realize. And we need to think about that. And so all of these things come together because we begin to realize that we have to allow something bigger than us to have control. And that's where the Holy Spirit of God comes into play. We have to allow the Holy Spirit of God to have control to help us focus on things above. How are you doing this morning keeping in step with the Spirit? See, God didn't just give us that Spirit just to kind of be there. He planted that Spirit in your heart and in our life because He knew we're going to need it. And He knows that sometimes our life and our ways can be out of control. But when we are controlled by God's Holy Spirit, it will lead us to greater things. And as his spirit dwells in us, we begin to realize that we already have the treasure in us. Paul writes, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? And then we read later in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. We already have that treasure that we carry around with us daily. We carry the greatest resource with us right now, His Spirit. But I wonder, do we tap into that Spirit and do we allow it to work and to do things and to take us places where we never dreamed that we could be? When God's Spirit it's alive, and when it's leading, it's unbelievable what can take place. And so Jesus comes at the end of this section, and he basically says this, it can't be God and something else. You need to choose today who you're going to serve. And I dare say that all of us here today have trouble focusing on these priorities from time to time, right? We do. We all struggle with it. But I wonder what will happen if we ask God to do what we might think would be the impossible. And that is, just change my heart, God, 
And if you turn to song 803 this morning, Kim, if you would, go ahead and put the words up to this song. I want to read these words before we stand to sing it. Because this is really what it comes down to. Turn my heart, O Lord, like rivers of water. Turn my heart, O Lord, by your hand till my whole life flows in the river of your spirit. And my name brings honor to the Lamb. Turn my heart, O God. And may he turn our hearts to him more and more each day. And so the question that we ask ourselves, are my priorities earthly or are they more of a heavenly nature? Only you can answer that. And whatever you answer, you have to live with. And when you answer, my priorities are with God, good things will come your way. That's where we want to be, church. Amen. And I pray this morning as we stand to sing this song that we mean more than just singing the words. We want this to be who we are. Change my heart, O oh God, and turn it to you. Let's stand as we sing this song.